Find Your Feet with the Find Your Feet podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the Find Your Feet podcast. Obviously my name is Hannah Olsen and I'm the founder and presenter of this series. Today I'm really excited to be introducing Kerri-Ann and Amy, or Kez for short. These two women are wives, mothers, adventurers, explorers, creatives, they're pretty much everything and they're also the founders of the new Travel Play Live Women's Adventure magazine. Today I've flown up to Sydney to meet with these girls because I feel that their story is worthy of sharing. And it's not really just their story, it's the way they approach life and their attitude to adventuring for women and exploring in the modern world. I just don't think we have enough of this message out there for women because every time I'm out running on the mountain, I'm amazed to see so few women out and about. I also find that the most people that I meet are men. So I'm wondering, and I'm interested to hear this from them, um, you know, hear it direct from the horse's mouth of whether they feel that there is a rise of the adventurous woman amongst us. These women have also asked me to be the ambassador for their new women's adventure grant. And I have to admit, it's an absolute honor when I consider how many other women are doing extraordinary things around the globe. I love adventuring. It's in my bones. And I certainly love to play wild and free, especially if it involves a mountain. Because the new Women's Adventure Grant has given us the opportunity to empower and inspire other people to dream and love adventuring and exploring. The grant has opened up a number of opportunities for young women, women over the age of 50, and also creatives amongst us to apply for this grant and pursue our wildest dreams. So today's podcast is also going to be just talking to these girls, Carrie-Anne and Amy, about where this idea for the grant came from and how it has come to fruition. If you're a male and a listener to this podcast, this podcast isn't just for the girls, I promise. There is so much that I went into about with these girls around the concepts of fear, stress, balance, self-compassion, the pursuit of excellence. Yes, the topic's endless, so don't be put off as well. This podcast is obviously brought to you by my own business, Find Your Feet, and the wonderful team that we have who are working behind the scenes to make that a reality for me. It's really, really important to me that I don't lose sight of being able to support our community through online education and resources such as this podcast, but I also really, for as long as I can, want this to be a free resource for everyone. So if you have the opportunity and you're setting yourself up for adventures and exploration, please take a moment to go to our website, findyourfeet.com.au and support us in any way that you can. Don't forget too that this podcast has been going for, believe it or not, one year and this is over our 20th episode. I can't in some ways believe that we have managed to get this far. So if you've missed some of the earlier episodes and some of the ones that spring to mind are with Sally, Dr. Sally Chapman about healthy hormones, Dr. Clive Stack around emotional intelligence, Daryl Griffiths around nutrition, and a number also that I have created for myself around topics that I feel very strongly about. You can jump on my website, www.hannyolston.com.au, and go back to some of our past episodes. 
All right, enough from me. Let's jump into this podcast with Kerri-Ann and Amy. All right, girls, <laughs> Amy, Kerri-Ann, thank you so much for coming to Sydney. Uh, I am like, yep, the country bumpkin, a bit out of place in the big smoke here, but I'm really um, excited to meet you both at long last, properly at least. Uh, where have you come from today? So we come from three hours north of Sydney, um, the Great Lakes. So Foster Tungkari is our home base and it's a little beautiful secret spot that we we share with our Women's Adventure Summit people, but we'd like to keep it secret otherwise. (laughs) It's a bit like me in Tassie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's a pretty beautiful part of the world and I think a lot of people who come and visit are really surprised at how amazing it is and what it's got to offer. So we like to keep it a secret. And no doubt some of the inspiration behind what you're doing now. Um, but I, before we get into what you're doing now, I'm just really interested to know how you two actually met. Is there a, a fun story behind this one? Yeah, there's a really nice story behind um, Amy and I's um, meeting. We, we met um, through uh, work, really, to start with. So I had a fitness business for the last 25 years I've been in the fitness industry and Amy I met um, when I did a, um, a community weight loss challenge at that point in time and Amy was the editor for the community magazine and we, we just struck up a friendship and we just had something nice going on friendship wise and when we sat down to work together uh, it was a really good relationship you could tell it was going to be one of those you could sit down and work with somebody and really mm. enjoy the workspace so so we, um, we we did that campaign together and then um, at one point then Amy decided she was going to ride across Cambodia and I'll let you tell that <laughs> part of the story because that's how we continued on. So, yeah... I had got together with another girlfriend and we'd been supporting grassroots organisations in Cambodia that worked with girls who had been rescued from human trafficking and we were trying to work out ways that we could do fundraising and raising awareness and at the time neither of us came from a fitness or a sports background by any stretch of the imagination and so the craziest thing that we could possibly think of was to ride our bikes um, considering that neither of us had ever had bikes was like <laughs> a big deal and so we decided we'd ride across Cambodia to raise awareness and funds and we gathered 19 women who joined us and Kez was one of those amazing women who joined wow. us and we trained for a year in the lead up to the trip and we had women on that trip who had recently got divorced who were young retired, mums. young mums, students and everything in between, people that had never been on a plane before. Uh, a lot of the girls had never, hadn't ridden bikes in this kind of capacity before but there were women on the team that, that had. And so we cycled across Cambodia uh, and that journey really was one of the catalysts for why we do what we do because we saw the amazing impact that the active adventure and the training process and the community that we built and the conversations that we got to have, we saw how empowering they were for women and the fact that so many of those women came away with a sense of self and what they were capable of and how much that they could do and achieve when they worked together as a team but when they pushed themselves outside of their comfort zone. Mm. And I think for Kaz and I, that's probably what 
clicked for both of us is we both have very different skill sets, we have very different backgrounds, yet we both have the same passion to see women empowered and fulfilled in whatever it is that they choose to do. Mm. And we found adventure was a really great way to create change, mm. whether it be individually, locally or globally. That's one of the things we mm. often say. So we saw that there was a great capacity in that because women are out there doing amazing things and using adventure as a voice. Mm. So um, we, we decided that Travel Play Live magazine should come about and be that voice that tell those stories. Yeah, and I mean, I can even hear just from the way you two look at one another, the way you speak, Amy, just the impact that that trip had on you as an individual. And I'm really grateful that you have brought this magazine into production to support women and to share that connection with adventure and change. But I don't think it is just for women, is it? I feel like what I see through our Find Your Feet tours, which are really just a way of seeing a landscape at a run, um, is that it can have a profound change on anyone, uh, men included, and we've had men in tears at times, you know, moved by beauty, moved by what they've achieved. So I love, that's why I personally love that adventure scene as well, Mm. yeah. We both have husbands who have supported Mm. us for this last four years on this journey who are our key supporters and 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 very passionate about what we do and are always oh, how was today you know what did you get up to what was work like you know so yeah we've, we've had them on board mm. as well so and, and yeah. their friends as well they've been great supporters and buy their mums and sisters subscriptions and so on yeah. Yeah. I had noted that down as something I did want to talk to you about because there is the slogan that behind every strong woman is a strong man and I don't think uh it means that they're at home holding the children's hands while you're out doing your thing but although that does happen although it does happen <laughs> But I definitely think that there's a huge emotional support, isn't there? Yeah. 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 I think we're both, well, we are both really blessed to have husbands who have supported us through this because there is no way that we could have taken on a publishing industry, a startup business, and everything else that has come along with this journey that we're currently on without our husbands standing right beside us and encouraging us and and picking up the pieces because on a day-to-day basis <laughs> stuff you know stuff gets missed and I, I mean I'm really thankful to my husband that he he's the one who stays behind and looks after our three kids when we're up here doing podcasts or we're out on the road doing adventures or we're going to business meetings and you know we've never been women exclusive we just wanted to bring a female voice to the forefront Mm-hmm. And I think and a new female yeah. voice as well. I think yeah, because we've you know as women in in traditional media, we've sort of been bombarded with so many expectations and assumptions about how we should look and how we should present ourselves and how we should move through space and participate in sport or activities or travel. And I I guess we were tired of that and we figured other women might be tired of that too. <laughs> we are we are <laughs> tired of it. I speak for the women. Yeah. <laughs> and so. So, yeah, we just decided to see where our voice would take us and here we are. You've made a lot of brave decisions and I've had a lot of more conversations probably with Kerri-Ann than I have with you, Amy, but uh, I know that you've both given up a huge amount to pursue this. It's not like you were sitting on the couch doing nothing and thought, hey, great idea, let's start a magazine. Like, you know, you have almost stepped backwards to go forwards again. Um, But, and, and like you say, it's in a very, very competitive world. You have made some brave decisions because we know beauty sells, 
we know food cells. I haven't yet seen an edition in the magazine that brings what we associate with that in magazines into yours. And I just wondered, you know, if you could maybe talk to us about that. You know what was interesting about that is that we didn't even realise that we were doing that until somebody else pointed it out to us. (laughs) And I think it was because we were just living our truth and and telling the stories that we wanted to hear about the women that we were engaging with on a daily basis. And surprise, surprise, they don't include conversations about beauty products or food (laughs) or even dieting. Um, So it kind of was an afterthought for us to then think about how do we maintain that as we move yeah. forward. <laughs> However, my side of things is probably a little bit different. After mm. 25 years in the industry, like I was there when we run up and down sheds doing circuit classes before. So like personal training. Yeah, here. well, fit, yeah. Well, the fitness, fitness. Industry, yeah. Went in there as a, a young aerobic instructor at 18. Oh, you know, some coach, fantastic Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Coach school aerobics at national level and did and managed facilities and so on. But And then opened my own personal training business 15 years ago, personal training Pilates, but I did see this constant change and the resell of the same message and same same images and I, I just got to a point where I couldn't emotionally cope with it anymore and I had to leave and you can, you can, you can hear it in my voice, like it's still... I couldn't do it anymore, so I had to yeah. leave. So that was what it, that it was for me. So mm. to do something, to transfer my love for activity and wellness and and empowerment, was this was the perfect avenue for me because for, for adventure for me, once my um, fitness career went outside, like we started with the 5K runs and the half marathons and the marathons and the mm. Oxfam's and the adventure racing and all the other things in between, that's where this led for me. Like I got so much more satisfaction and so much less pressure outside mm. than I did in the gym mm. and I, like I love the benefits of strength training and fitness and stuff I just couldn't cope with the message anymore yeah it's really interesting that you say that Carrie Ann because I'm um, you were coming from the service provider end I was coming in it from the elite athletes end and I hit exactly the same point that there was this expectation around nutrition around the way you train around the what how you look you know what you wear um, what races you do that it just became tiring and fatiguing and yes I fell into some traps and I talked about that with the Butterfly Foundation a podcast with them recently but um, you know I I also feel that we are getting sick of this message that we have to be more beautiful, more thin, following certain diets um, and not bringing out that wild, adventurous spirit that seems to exist in many of us, not everyone, but many of us today. Yeah. I think it was interesting too coming from the outside, so not having come from a fitness or outdoor activity background and you know my first touch point with Carrie Ann was through the weight loss competition and I kind of like very very reluctantly put my hand up as the editor of the local magazine I better you know at least participate if we're going to be encouraging our community to and I guess from the outside there are some really big barriers to entry for women on the outside of that so if you haven't grown Mm. up being encouraged to participate mm. in sport or, or be active or get involved in, in training, there's this, there's a big barrier of entry to put your foot in the door and you would yep. know this from owning a gym, mm. like the hardest step is to walk through the door. So we really wanted Travel Play Live to 
tell a very different message to women and for it to be the on-ramp into adventure. So it was the off-ramp out of all the pressure and the off-ramp out of the bikini bodies and the 12-day miracle Mm -hmm. solutions or whatever and an opportunity for women to take a big, deep breath and to step into something new and revitalising and and is equally about health and wellness. It just doesn't come with the bullshit messaging and, and, and just they, they can connect again yeah you, know, you can find that you'll connect differently to yourself and mm. to the outdoors and to people absolutely just at, just at a different level and yeah. the magazine really it's not just a print publication now there's so many elements that are going on around the magazine um to support women but i feel what you're what you are really bringing is not just new messages but new role models so even athletes or adventurers who are at the top of their game you're still bringing a new type of woman for us to all aspire to be which I that really excites me and has excited me since day one yeah yeah Yeah, I think one of the first things well actually our very first issue we had an article entitled who is this woman and we've been very conscious about our front covers not actually being identifiable as any one person Mm -hmm. or any one woman and our first cover had a woman sitting on top of a mountain with her back to the camera and we discussed the whole why is it what what's so appealing about that image for a start because we were seeing instagram accounts filled with this you know anonymous woman standing in spectacular Um, environments but for us it was allowing women to put themselves in those shoes without having to actually conform to a particular image it was just a way of allowing her to step into the possibility of exploring her world Mm. so that could be me that sort of mentality yeah you both come across as two people who are very comfortable in your own skin um, am I correct in that statement? Um, I would say in my in my field, yes. But then put us, for example, the media is not my field. So, like, to be honest, some things I would have a lot of trouble with putting myself out there. But I also know that when you do something like this, you actually have to believe enough in yourself to put yourself in new situations. And it's like it's like anything, you know, you, you build up these fears and then once it's all done, it's... Okay, next step, and it's, it's yeah. like it's, it, there's a lot of um, a lot of similarities to you know any sport or any adventure that you do that you've never done before. It's just you do the training, you you think you know you prepare yourself mentally and physically, and then you you do it, and then you think, oh, I don't know what I was thinking about. Like that was that wasn't as hard as I thought, and, and you go, okay, when's the next one? So yeah. there, there is that. It, it is difficult, and I think we all put pressure on ourselves as women to do, but I'm still more willing to do the things I need to do to have the voice that we want to have yeah. to continue on this journey than not do those things at all. And so, Carrie ann then when, you, when you're home, when the kids are in bed, you know, when it's just you or you're out on a, a walk, a jog, and it's just you, are you comfortable in your, your own skin then? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So how did you, and I'll come to Amy in a moment, but how did you personally find that true north and that this is me, this is who I am? Because I don't think it's an easy road for women growing up and I think um, it's especially hard now. I would, I've always had an, a voice that I, I listened to, I suppose, so I always really did my own thing. Mm-hmm. I, I often laugh and 
go, I don't know what I would do now for work if, if this doesn't pan out, you know, in the long term because I've always worked for myself and, you know, start, like I'll be 50 this week and I'm just ah, like, oh, happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> but it's a little bit, oh, okay, right, so I, I probably do need to think ahead of what I wanted to do and maybe that might mean working for somebody else. So um, there's there's... So com- comfortable in myself, yes, but also um, I feel like um, probably there's there's just things that I need to keep working on um, that I that I probably don't deal with quite as well that I, I would like to improve. But we're all we're all learning and we're all growing, and I'm just just a normal person on that path as well. So. Yeah. And it's refreshing because none of us are perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would be scared if I met someone who was like, nah, I've got my shit together. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Some magical unicorn. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Amy, what about yourself? Um, you know, take, I guess, a couple of questions were in there. One is, like, how comfortable are you in your own skin these days? Um, and the second one is, like, I know you, from my research, I think I was quoted to you about, the true north like finding your true north so do you also feel that and how have you found your true north hmm am I comfortable in my skin I I think turning 40 actually was really liberating for me because it was like I always heard other people say it and I was like oh yeah whatever but I actually care a lot less about what people think than I did especially in my 20s Uh, So that's actually a really liberating place to be in. I guess I have a better view about the things I would like to work on in myself. Like Mm. I know that, you know, in this journey that we've been on, the irony that we're talking about health and wellness is that being in a startup business and doing what we're doing, my health and wellness has been sacrificed. You know, it's always the thing that comes very much last on the to-do list. And that's a pretty high price to pay and one that I can't continue to to pay um so that's been a bit of a revelation of if I don't start looking after myself I can't continue doing the thing that I want to be doing which is empowering women and and telling people's stories so I think um understanding that I need to steward myself better if I want to continue to live the life that I want for myself and for my family Hmm. I really um I hear that one. <laughs> That's, I really am grateful that you talk about it so freely because, you know, you're also a mum, so you're not just thinking about travel, play, live, and then you, you've also got a family that you're providing for. So what is your philosophy on the way that you're raising your family and the way that you fit them into mm. your world and maintain your sense of <laughs> self <Sanity. in> <laughs> Yes. Um, my husband and I have always, from the very, very beginning, always said that if we weren't living our passion and our truth, then we were actually doing our children a disservice. Mm-hmm. And that's actually probably been harder to do than it is to say uh, in the reality of, you know, day-to-dayness and paying bills and doing jobs and raising children. But it's the one thing that we continually come back to. So it might take us a little bit of a, a, a road detour, but in the end we always come back to, are we living our truth? Are we being passionate about what it is that we're pursuing? Because that's what we want to model to our children. We want our children to find out what it is that they're passionate about. What are their gifts? What is it that makes them unique? Because 
that's what the world needs. Mm. The world needs more people who are passionate and doing what it is that they've been called to do as opposed to just ticking a box for the economy. Yeah, like doing what they should do. What they should do. Yeah, very different. Um, and and that's, that's not an easy thing to do. Mm. Uh, but, you know, we, we keep checking in on that and I think <laughs> we're doing okay so far. I've got three teenagers at home. Um, and I think my daughter, she just started high school and I've, I think her starting high school has actually been the most difficult thing for me to do as a mother because I realise that I'm sending her out into this world that is where she's being bombarded by messages from social media and um, online where she has so much access to content that has no filter, no curation, no kind of like fairy godmother sitting over her shoulder going, oh, don't watch that, you know. And I'm really struggling with that at the moment Mm. because I realise how important what we do in Travel Play Live is to encouraging, you know, we, we talked about, leaving a legacy of shoulders that our daughters can stand on yeah you know and I and I if we can encourage women to be comfortable in their skin and to get outside and encourage the message that we do through travel play live my hope is that my daughter will have a lot easier time navigating Mm. the world around her and making decisions that are best for her health and well-being and for her passion and her gifting as opposed to what she thinks she has to do because social media yeah. tells her she should. Ah, oh, I like Amy. I don't. I could talk about this topic for hours, but I don't think there's ever been a harder time to grow up as a woman as now. And I and I say that quite candidly because I feel that not only have you got this bombardment from mixed messages of social media and marketing and you know, all of that side where you just get a zillion things thrown at you every single day, but you also don't really have a template to walk on because even for my parents, and, you know, I'm in the earlier 30s, like for my parents, there was very much that expectation. You have one career, you know, you jump on it, you follow it through, and then you retire at the end. Yet my generation is finding we don't even have to have a career. That It's almost like that word is becoming... mm, obsolete obsolete exactly <laughs> what does that mean yeah what does that mean <laughs> yeah. exactly you know and you know I've got a medical background and a teaching background and yet I'm like working in retail and you know but it, yeah I guess what I'm trying to say is like it is hard for women right now especially young girls to navigate that pathway mm-hmm. yeah I think it's hard for kids in general, to be honest. Like, the, the yeah. pressures are multiplied by social media. And the, mm. don't get me wrong, I think social media's got great aspects as well. But like Amy said, unfiltered and not censored sometimes that can can magnify the problems massively. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you have any, any early strategies that you are working on with your children around navigating that space now that listeners might be interested in? Uh, I'm really fortunate to be married to an alpha nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I do come from a tech background as as well. We so we have been really fortunate that we probably probably are ahead of the curve than most parents. So we've been really diligent in locking down our networks and making sure that there are systems in place 
to block content coming into our house as opposed to just blocking it at the computer point mm. because we have uh, a computer nerd as a child who at a very early age was able to circumnavigate just about any um, parental control that came standard shipped with <laughs> standard devices. Um, and our kids have grown up in a completely digital age with content delivered to them on demand when they want it. So um, I guess my advice would be take advantage of parental controls that are built into most devices these days and make sure that you have conversations with your children. Mm. You need to be the first person having a conversation with your daughters about sex and relationships and pornography and social media because if I'm not having those conversations with my daughter, even at 12, somebody else is going to be having those conversations with her and you can pretty much guarantee that they will probably be wrong (laughs) so so I guess you know don't be afraid to have those conversations with your kids early age appropriate but I think that's been for us we've had to have conversations with our kids which I don't ever remember my parents having this conversation with me no we had to have conversations with our 12 year old son about pornography because it was at the time when iPods first came out and they had access to the internet and you know, I never thought I'd be having an age-appropriate discussion with a twelve with my twelve-year-old son about porn, but we did because we had to, and so that kind of set the standard for where we make sure we're talking to our kids about that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah, but I think on the other side of this, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I think the general population is beginning to call for. A fresh approach to everything and more appropriate information you know I'm thinking about that in terms of like the beauty industry is becoming a little bit more around natural is beautiful strong is beautiful I also think that in um, the say nutrition world I think people are starting to really call for cleaner options if you know what I mean by that um, so you know and then you can see just by the traction that your magazine's getting that people are yeah really wanting just general authentic great content I think you just said the right word and it's one of my most favorite and least favorite words authentic (laughs) and I think as long as as a collective industry you know media and marketing we are genuinely authentic about delivering that message and not just tacking it on as a side message to increase our numbers and engagement because we've seen that go horribly wrong in this industry when it comes to body positivity in particular in sports where you see brands go oh that's the that's the new it word it's the new in thing oh it's Mm -hmm. all about body positive you know, messaging, let's tack it on, but that's, that's not actually part of their their core belief or, or ethics or the reason why they exist as a company. Mm. And so I think it's going to be really important moving forward that, you know, whether you're in sports or adventure or publishing or beauty or health or whatever, that as long as you stay true and that's really the message that you want to get out and you stick to that, then, we're, then it's going to be okay. Mm. But if we just... if Sell out. Sell out and the industry just sees it as another opportunity to, to like strangle money out of the consumer, then we're got a problem. Yeah. And also tell women how to be. That's the other issue, like with those, with all those types of industries. If they just do it in another way, you know, they sell to you in another way and tell you you should be another way, yeah. it's, still, it's still exactly the same message, just 
prepackaged. Yeah. In yeah. I in I guess what you're trying to say is like if the industry is trying to say to us to be authentic, you need to yeah. and become prescriptive around that, yeah. then it loses the whole point of the authenticity yeah. at yeah. its core. Yeah. Huh, got it. So do either of you believe in balance? I guess <laughs> thinking about everything that you're doing, um, and I had the I have this conversation a lot with my running partner, um, who's 27 and is already like a general manager in a huge organisation. Yeah, we, we have this conversation a lot. I'm interested to know where you where you sit on this one. So it depends on how we define balance. So for me, I've always loved work and and passionate what I do. So to me, that's not work. However the older I've got and um, the more I've realised that I it can't be all work. So, um, yes, I, I do think that balance is required and my, I'm, again, on, a, on that road where I'm learning to um, redefine the word. So mm-hmm. work work has to take a back seat to personal health. Like we, Amy just chatted, like having the magazine is, has been a bit of a toll on, on both of us in that respect and we haven't prioritised ourselves. So this year... For me, like I've gone back to going, health has to come first. Sleep needs to be in there. Um, and to me, that's what balance is. And and not working for the sake of work, even though mm. we love what you do. Yeah. Holidays, to me, no matter what they are, whether they're weekends, camping or, you know, a, a two-week holiday in New Zealand or overseas, that's balance to me. So my balance is about those things. And I, and I think I've, I've, I always thought too that, you know, to have balance, you needed to have everything in your life in order, and and that just doesn't happen. <laughs> so, so I have had to sit back yeah. and go, okay, what is balance to me, yeah. and how and how do I relate to all those things in in my life? And that's 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 how I've defined or redefined balance for mm. me. So. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not perfect. You know, you, they do the um, circle with the little pie charts, and you're supposed to have the wheel. You know, <laughs> and you've got like one, <laughs> nine, <laughs> three, yeah, that's, yeah, seven. Yeah, doesn't, that's, really uh, doesn't ever. Yeah. I don't think it ever happens as well as it does on paper. Yeah, I think balance is one of those things that if you realise that you'll never have perfect balance, then that's actually not a bad thing. And I I guess as a po- instead of thinking about balance I I like to think of seasons Mm. so that you move in and out of seasons and if you can recognize that you know we might be in a season at the moment where we're working ridiculous hours to meet deadlines or and we're not spending time with our families that swings and roundabouts there will be a season when that that becomes what you're doing now and as long as you uh acknowledge that there's going to be ups and downs. There's always going to be a Wednesday, a hump day in your week or your marriage or your business life um, and are prepared to go with the flow a little bit, then balance is probably achievable, but it always is up and down. I don't think you ever get to this nice, shiny, level playing field where you've got all your ducks in a row. Mm. Um, I think that's a unicorn myth. Yeah, and the stress of putting putting yourself under that stress to actually yeah. have perfect balance again is not worth it because that's just yeah. another another yeah. yeah and I think it also comes back so strongly to what you value as well mm. you know and what you put in your pie chart my philosophy is that I'll I'll work out whether it's whole when I get to 96 and gray and old you know I think that that you go through periods like you say of like 
way more focused on one thing or two things and then know that that next phase will come up where you can begin to prioritise other. It's a really good quote that I've had written on my wall for a long time and it's when a man lives by his, or a woman lives by (laughs) her principles, 99% of her decisions are already made. And I think it's so when you have your principles and your values locked down, it makes it much easier to deal with the up and down of life. I love that. So how do you at the moment um, narrow in on what you need to do? You know, uh, that that's a pretty broad question. You can take it however you like. Um, I'm thinking about, though, creating that purpose right here, right now um, on what you're doing. How do you how do you go about that? Are you yin and yang? Are you organised, introvert? Um, well, I think we're probably the opposite, extrovert and introvert. Or maybe not. I'm not an extrovert probably as much as an ambivert these days. So, <laughs> um, so, But we work well together. We tend to be, when one of us is up, the other one might be down a little bit, and we've managed really well to work that. As for direction... Um, opportunities of lots of opportunities have come up for us and where we thought our direction was one way it sort of pivoted slightly Mm. Um, so really we have as we've been we've been two people who've taken on opportunities as Mm. as the doors have opened um, and we always um, see we always look for those like I think when those things do come up in your space you actually do need to consider them consider them and actually go okay how how would that work for us if we took it on is it too much is it something that's going to take away from our mission and our vision um, or is it something that's going to benefit the women beyond what Travel Play Live already mm. can as a magazine so mm. um, we've been guided really pretty much by our beliefs about the whole um, instinct yeah I think yeah. I think we've you know, and maybe we're naive, but maybe that's why we've got so far. Um, you know, we've really we can, we're in communication with each other a lot. So we talk with it to each other a lot about what's going on and our opportunities and bits and pieces. And we're we're prepared to be flexible. We've been prepared to let something go if it doesn't work. And I think that has been a part of our success so far. And I think what's been really nice is that when we've made decisions based on instinct and our gut feeling about something, we've often been proved right down the track mm. by the data or mm-hmm. um, whatever it is. So I think the fact that we both have different strengths and different skill set has been very advantageous for us. Um, I'm really thankful that Kez loves lists um, because I'm much more of a creative like throw it out there and dream big and let's and we both are actually big um, big picture thinkers and both big dreamers Um, I'm just really fortunate that Kez is particular um, and lists and so I've probably slowly embracing the list <laughs> um, my, yeah and I'm Which probably is... fortunate that Amy can do lots of things uh, when it comes to the publishing and the computers because that's not my forte my, my forte has been really the connecting with people and introducing myself and mm. you, you asked that question before about feeling comfortable I, I, I love that stuff I love meeting mm. people love hearing their stories 
and I've developed some really beautiful friendships with people and that's probably one of the great things about um, that that sort of business. Mm. So that that's where our, our skills <laughs> so that we just where we work well together for, for those mixed reasons, I think. So did you ever start with a business plan or did you really just fill your way in? Oh no, we did have a business plan. We went and mm-hmm. saw a business advisor and we still see him. Um, but but I think we, I think every now and again he would like to wipe his hands off. <laughs> oh my god! What now? <laughs> but but I know he's very proud of where we've come from and what we're doing. And um, yeah, he said he, he thinks we've we've done some things really well, but we need to work on a few other uh, aspects of our business. But yeah, so yes, we've had a business plan, and we sit down pretty much every year and go, okay, what about this year? What are we going to do? Are we going to take on any more projects? Are we are we going to um, or we're going to work with what we've got and try and build that and see where they go. So mm-hmm. the thing with with what we have done in creating a magazine. So let's like if you just roll it back to purely from a business point of view, going into publishing at the moment seems like a very counterintuitive thing to do, and it certainly was three years ago. So we had to have a business plan uh, when we were researching things you should do if you're going into publishing we came across a blog post that was like the top 10 things you should do if you want to go into publishing and the top three were marry well marry into publishing or have lots of money <laughs> and um, we've gone oh shit we don't have any of those <laughs> we married well but not into media or money and so we had to really think outside of the traditional boxes when it came to well how are we actually going to fund this thing And so we had to put together a proposal because we needed to find investment. And as individuals, as people, just that process stretched us both a lot because that meant we had to ask, we had to be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. we had to risk people saying no to us, you know, to this precious thing that we'd sort of dreamt up to then pitch it to people and then just go, what the hell are you doing that for? Yeah. Kind of... You know, it, it was a big risk, like, for us to, to ask. And we we got initial funding, and it wasn't huge amounts of funding, but it was a big step for us coming from our backgrounds to actually ask and go, oh, we're actually putting ourselves out there and asking people to invest money into what is essentially a high-risk venture. Um, and then because we still hadn't raised enough money to see us through the first issue and into our first year of business we decided to crowdfund Mm. and so we had built our community on social media and we had our local community behind us which was fantastic and our local community really did get behind us in a big way and we crowdfunded to raise the first big chunk of money to publish issue one and that kind of has set the standard for how we do business you know, we've had to be creative. We've had to, you know, beg, borrow and and do a lot of in-kind <laughs> And <laughs> 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 We still, you know, we still operate in that, in that area and we still have to ask. And asking in business can be really tough. It is really hard. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and personally it can be hard, but it's been, it's been good. I found it a little bit different because having had a personal training business and you had to sit down with people and 
when they asked for your help, like you had to basically tell them what they need and that would be more expensive than your normal $13, $15, $17 gym mm. membership. It was, you know, $80 per session or whatever. So I really had to believe that I was helping people at that point in time to be able to comfortably say this is what you need and, and don't take it on if you're only going to take it on six weeks or whatever. This is going to take you pretty much six months. Um, so it's, it's going to cost you, do you know what I mean? So mm. I, I find that... With the magazine, when we sought investment and we um, we wanted that initial support, believing in what you do mm. was an easier yeah. um, an easier ask yeah. than than you know doing something that you don't really believe in and trying to sell something. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like you very much knew at that point where you were headed, like what outcome you wanted to achieve for women in Australia in this sphere, uh, and it also sounds like you were yeah that that was what made it more comfortable to be able to Us, ask yeah, for help yeah, yeah. yeah. We, yes it, it was but we still when we first started and I'm letting out trade secrets we still called ourselves two numpty girls from Boston <laughs> <laughs> and we had to get over that really fast we had to get over that oh but we're just Amy and Kez from Foster oh we're just we're just two girls but oh and we and that was part of our charm and I think it actually is still part I of our charm I was gonna say that um but I, but we had to really well I know I did no, we too, had yeah. to step it up and go you know what I'm not apologizing for just anything anymore I'm not apologizing for being a woman who lives in a small regional town in New South Wales that not many people know about and we want to take on the world (laughs) so I'm going to stop apologizing and that's I think that's going to be something that we have to work on right until we end up you know in a box but I I think that that was the big push for us into into this business because it was high risk well, it, it is high risk and, you know, it's in an industry that really is going through major flux at the moment. Mm. So nobody really knows what's going on with content creation and publishing, where to spend their money, spend their money and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we kind of really had to put our big girl panties on and stop <laughs> calling ourselves the two numpties from Foster um, and own that but also not be afraid of going, no, we believe in what we're doing. But you've just brought back exactly what we were talking about earlier about the importance of authenticity and mm. really knowing who you are because you're, I'm sure you're right that the charm of you both is that you are you. Uh, and you're relatable like I can sit here and go I could be them you know or I could get involved with that or I could you know so I, I really honestly believe that as a community member looking in at your journey that that's what makes you guys so likable yeah and you wouldn't want some woman who's power dress walking into a room trying to sell their new magazine like it just would be a very hard I think a harder sell yeah that's interesting, eh? Um, but now then, talking about fundraising, I know you've done a lot of fundraising recently to launch the new Women's Adventure Grant, one of the projects for this year. Um, where where did that idea come from? How did that one start? Um, we had our Women's Adventure Summit um, that we launched last year and we had three fabulous ambassadors, Carolyn Pemberton, Hayley Talbot and Sam Gash, mm. and they come up... Um, for a bit of a photo shoot early on so we could promote the um, promote the summit. And then we took Sam back to the airport one morning and the plane was an hour late, so we just got to know Sam a lot more than beyond what, what we had on social media. So we, we talked about all sorts of things and 
her her journeys and her runs and things that she'd been doing and I was like fascinated because when you get to know somebody deeper mm. than just that surface it was like I just realized like um what was what made her tick and that's what I really like so and then the, the funny thing was that she was telling me about funding or talking about how, how do you fund these types of epic adventures that you're doing and and things like that and she said you know what I actually got knocked back for a grant um because my, my run across India wasn't deemed epic enough. Anyway, so that sort of got me thinking because Amy and I were, were always about, like, change has been one of the pillars of our business. So we had Adventure Empowering by a Dream and Change. And we were never really able to get this thing off the ground that was changed. For us, it meant like a foundation that supported something. So mm-hmm. so the grant really come about by that, um, meaning that was our way to support change through other women by helping them fund and helping them tell their story. So we felt that that money then would go out into the community, but we'd also be able to tell the stories of all the other women who potentially would apply to, to, talk, to tell this story of what's actually happening out there to change, like we said before, individual people or local communities or globally. So so that's how it come about, sitting there with Sam. And then a week later, interestingly enough, I had a conversation with um, an, another father of a, a girl who'd recently climbed Everest and she got knocked back for the same grant as mm. well because her adventure wasn't deemed epic, epic enough. And we're going, oh, my God, what do women have to do? <laughs> do yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and I think for me, like, because the conversation sort of started there and then at the summit we had a really fantastic opportunities to speak to our coaches and leaders and, and ambassadors who came in a really casual kind of setting and, and everybody sort of started sharing their hurdles and the ups and the downs and things that they're facing. And and another conversation I had was somebody said they'd pitched this amazing concept and they were pretty much told that this particular avenue was just not interested in female-driven content. And you sort of go, are we still having this conversation mm. in 2018 that we're not interested in female-driven content that's you know gritty and honest and exciting and different and you know women engage with the outdoors differently to men so whilst there are some amazing women out there doing ridiculously crazy things Mm -hmm. you know they're not all base jumping off k2 with their hair on fire which kind of seems to sell and it's the clickbait and it's and it's epic and (laughs) you know we can do like a raw kind of marketing around that and you go oh but there's so much more to this experience than just a 30-second YouTube video that 12-year-old mm. kids go, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've been reading a lot about the journey that women have been on for, you know, years. And if you look right back to our origins, like we were on par with the men. We were out there gathering food and helping to maintain our survival and then we went into the agricultural industry where it sort of became a bit more about the men working in the fields and us kind of caring for the children. And I think we're finally coming back to this place where we're, we're trying to sort of get back our independence and, and, and um, strengths in the outdoors. But I am very aware that when I am out doing silly things and enjoying my time on Mount Wellington, for example, that I almost never, uh, I'd go as far to say as I never meet women out on their own doing a run or something on the mountain. Like I I still feel that there is a barrier for women to get out there and do this, whereas I will frequently bump into males. Mm. Um, 
So I'm just kind of wondering what you think about that barrier that is, well, I believe is existing mm. for women to get into the adventurous spirit. I think some of those barriers are the general barriers that we face um, in media, like as in um, the representation. So we, we have this hashtag that we use since we had the grant called She Can't Be What She Can't See. So if, you, if we don't see images of women out there doing all sorts of things, then... Um, then how does a little girl grow up and believe she can be, mm. you know, whether that be an adventurer or a doctor or a scientist or whatever. If she's just pretty and beautiful like a Barbie doll, then maybe that's what she aspires to. Um, so so that's one one of the things I sort of feel that um, that is a point. But I also do think that we as women can limit ourselves mm. as well. So sometimes that is about our own expectations of ourselves so we we don't put ourselves in places that we don't feel we can well whether it's compete or 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 reach a certain level we tend to go we tend to step back and and wait until we see somebody else and then we'll go okay she can do it I can do it we're Mm -hmm. we're, we're often we don't want to be the leaders but but not all women obviously but that for for a lot of the women that we speak with we we find we have these conversations um like Oh, you, you know, you do amazing things, and I think you've only seen my weekend adventures on Facebook. Like they're not that amazing. Like they, you know, I think women in general are, are, are waiting, and I are waiting for someone to give them permission oh, I don't know. to go outside. And I think I like to think that we give, not that they need our permission, yeah. <laughs> no, but, but you we are. give women permission. permission to explore the possibility of getting out there and doing it on their own. And I love the conversations that we have in the hub that we have our online hub because you know women ask those questions they might be embarrassed to ask oh I'm thinking of going camping do you think my tent from Big W would be okay you know and everybody jumps in and goes oh I did this and if you ever want to come with me and all of a sudden this community and the encouragement and support that that woman needed to go out and try is is there um I think the media has a lot to answer for as well in terms of safety. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about so, that. So, um, and I know this is something I, I struggle with. I, I, I struggle with the sense of being feeling safe when I'm outside on my own. Um, and But it's something that I really want to conquer and I'm mm-hmm. working towards. Um, and whether or not it's a, a real or perceived fear, it's it's compounded by this message that you get that, uh, the world's a dangerous and unsafe place where statistically we actually live in relatively safe times. We just are bombarded by news messaging that it's a dangerous world out there. Mm. Um, and so it encourages me when I when we get emails and messages from mums and retired ladies or whoever they are and go, you've encouraged me to go for my first solo camping trip. It was only to our back paddock, but I went. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and, I, and I think then our job here is done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If, if somebody then also decides to take on a, a more strenuous adventure or, you know, extreme, extreme yeah. then that's awesome as well. But if it's just camping in your back paddock yeah. on your own, yeah. then we've done our job. It's, it is healthy to have a good dose of fear every mm-hmm. now and then. And I think probably the greatest lesson that I learned last year was the importance of going beyond your fears, mm-hmm. that fear really is there to say, hey, you know, hold it, just think about what you're doing, but it's not there to stop you. Yep, that's and true. I feel like the only 
often the only way to sort of move beyond fear is to actually go through it and out the other side. So that was just a little thing that's well. I think that's actually true. And so the other thing that I like that we're able to do is we're able to prepare women and equip women to do that. So if you are going to go out bushwalking on your own, here are some things that you should consider. (laughs) Um, And if you have a question, ask it, and all of our you know amazing community will help you be prepared and equipped to take on that adventure. And I think that that's a, yeah. And even if that's an emotional preparedness as well. Or remembering to, you know, take your first aid kit and an extra bottle of water, you know, because some people that would not occur to them. So, yeah. And then uh, there's lots of questions I have around the grant, but while we're on the topic of the grant and women in adventure, I think it's really, really important to mention that you don't lose your feminine beauty by being a strong adventurous woman or even just a strong healthy woman like I feel there has been a misperception that if you're one of these women who enjoys being outdoors you're a tomboy and you can't be a tom girl (laughs) or the equivalent um and I know that we're I've written an article Mm. on that exact concept for your magazine but yeah just sort of thinking about the grant is that a, a big part of this as well we wanted to showcase via the stories who the women were, what they were doing, no matter what age bracket they were, what shape, size, what adventure they type they, they, they wanted to go on as women in general. It wasn't really a thought behind femininity or such was it do you think it was more just I used to hate the word I used to like run away from feminism like do not have that conversation with me (laughs) I'm not interested but I I have come to learn more that there's a huge power in your feminine senses because I think a feminine feminine qualities are generally a lot more sensual and a lot more aware of the world around you whereas the very testosterone is dominance becomes a little bit more competitive and a little Mm -hmm. bit more narrow focused so I kind of began when I began to kind of tune in to my feminine qualities um to realize that they were they were a power for me like they were purposeful no you're right because you know the the phrase that caught us off guard was that the women's adventures weren't epic enough yes and we said yeah but these are epic women doing adventure and what we realised was there was an opportunity for us to allow women to tell their adventure in their own way as a woman as opposed to having to tick some kind of like conquering box yeah. or smashing a mountain or, or competing. And whilst some of those things are inherent in the expedition or the journey, um, allowing women to engage with their adventure from their own feminine perspective is really important Mm, because at the end of the day that's pretty much what we're all about (laughs) yeah and I I don't want to come across as sounding like a feminist because I I really am not I am actually a very very proud tomboy but um you know thinking about the complexities of adventure as a girl uh you know to go say to polar environments to go to India like Sam Gash did you know this weekend I was hoping to get out into the mountains of Tassie we have also women's challenges around Mm -hmm. how do you go to the bathroom Mm -hmm. um you know it's not as simple as kind of zipping down your fly like it it is actually a lot more complicated and for me this weekend I was like the timing isn't great (laughs) (laughs) you know and how do we as women negotiate that and I think that is hard when we are compared 
to men. Mm. Um, and, and so that's where I guess this grant can also have a lot of power. Um, and the other thing I wanted to raise was you mentioned about younger women. I know that's one of your, mm. um, the elements of the grant is that you've got a, a young women's category, also women over the age of 50 category. Yeah. So that was obviously a very important move for yeah, you. Yeah, so we, we, when we looked at the under eight, so the four categories that are represented are under 18 and under, an open category, which is uh, open to women who are looking to do expeditions that bring so- around some kind of change. So it could be personal, community, within the environment. So it's open to scientists um, who might be out doing uh, research work in intrepid locations, uh, art and film, so photography and film, and over 50s. When we started talking about the under 18s we were approached well I know that I was approached by a mother and daughter when we we're at the adventure expo last year and they started talking about the costs involved in her daughter training and competing and the the burden that that places upon a family and we realized that in this category in particular, there are a few young women in Australia that have done amazing things like Jade and Alyssa and, um, and, and they have got families behind them supporting them in, in, that, in that area. But there are a lot of young girls out there whose families don't have a background in adventure or in elite sport and these girls are training to compete to participate in events or access mentoring and training. And so we decided to open this category up to allow them to access this funding for training or competing on a national, international level. So competition comes in under the grant banner as well? For this category. For this category. For this category in particular. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've got a young girl who's looking at training in um, speed climbing Um girls that are looking at competing in a world series for adventure racing mm. uh, and we've been contacted by a lot of teachers actually asking whether or not their students are eligible for mm-hmm. it so it just made sense to be a little bit more flexible with this category in particular because if we're about building a legacy we're also about opening doors and mm-hmm. opportunities for these young girls to you know train or get the experience that they might not otherwise have the opportunity to mm. So, Kez, as the proclaimed um, inspiration and adventure director, mm-hmm. did I get that right, of yeah. Travel Play Look? I love that. Yeah. Like, damn, I wish I had that title. Um, but if you were applying for the grant, yeah. what would you apply to do? Well, I'd apply for the over 50s category probably next week. <laughs> but, no, I, I think for – I would think about it creatively because – like Amy was saying, it's not just about the adventure to us. It's never has been. We just, we have seen that as something that opens doors on a number of levels. So to me, I would think really creatively about what this adventure is going to mean, what it is and, you know, all the all the basics behind it, but, but what it's going to mean um, and how that will affect or make a positive effect on something yeah. or someone. So that, that that's my, my probably my biggest tip. Um, mm-hmm. And do that as creatively and as genuinely and as authentically as we've said before as possible because that appeals to us and the Have women fun. who read our magazine. Yeah. 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 And yeah, do it do it do it your way. That's that's the thing. So. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Do it your way. I love that. So girls, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? You go Amy first. Uh, <laughs> 
Where wouldn't? Yeah, that's probably more the point. <laughs> um, I, I have a few travel. I have a few destinations that I really want to go. That um, my mum has <laughs> asked me not to tell her if I ever want to go to these <laughs> locations because there's something about travelling to really off the beaten track locations that appeals to me. I mean, I have a real passion for the nation of Cambodia, and when I travel there, the first time I travelled there over 10 years ago it was pretty remote where we were and off the beaten track and I loved being able to engage with communities on a real like in the dirt level um so on my major bucket list I actually have a real passion to go into Afghanistan and Mm. some of those um those kind of countries there not necessary to explore but to sort of get to the nitty-gritty bones of what it's like to live in those kind of countries and what that means and there's some amazing organizations working in Afghanistan working with women um there's a they had a marathon one of the first marathons was ever held in Afghanistan a few years ago um and they had an Afghani woman run for the first time and you know those kind of stories you know those kind of things really appeal to me um there's also an afghani women's cycling team over there so whilst i probably won't necessarily jump, jump on my bike <laughs> and run a marathon with them the the idea of engaging with those women in those communities really appeals to me yeah uh and then high on my bucket list when i was a kid somebody gave me probably to keep me quiet and entertained while the adults did something else somebody gave me a travel brochure for South America and I actually cut out all the pictures from Peru and Machu Picchu and put them in a journal which I still have and uh, fingers crossed if anyone wants to come with me but I plan on going to Peru later on this year and that for me has been one of those like I have to go there so I'm really looking forward to that. Oh it's tempting. (laughs) Come on it's gonna be so much fun. Yeah. (laughs) Carrie-Anne, what about for yourself? Um, I have a long bucket list. This year, just again with my 50th birthday, like uh, um, I'm going to mention this because it's... How old are you, Kes? <laughs> I've got this thing that I'm going to do because I'm not really a party girl such, but I wanted to do 50 adventures at 50. But I wanted to do it for a couple of reasons. One, because I've got lots of beautiful friends from all over Australia that I'd love to connect with and do something with. But I wanted to showcase what adventure looks like at 50 and beyond. So I've got girlfriends in their 40s, 50s, 60s and 70s that I want to actually do something with and just say, like, this is what adventure looks like. So for me, it could be anything. Um, For example, on Friday morning, we're going horse riding on the beach at sunrise with just some girls from town and then... Uh, and, and then I've got a, um, a I've come to Tasmania actually in March to do the three capes walk and Brilliant. then doing the Eurovia coastal walk in April with some other girlfriends but as for international uh, Iceland I definitely that's my mm-hmm. adventure number one at the moment I want to go and experience but other than that um, New Zealand's my other one I get, keep going back there I get drawn back there all the time we just uh, recently cycled the Alps to Ocean over Christmas and New Year my husband and another friend and we had a great time doing that um but I'm an animal lover so anywhere that's got lots of animals birds that's my favorite so yeah Galapagos is on there as well Mariah Island in Tasmania oh, okay yeah yeah the okay. of wombats and bird life yeah. and yeah without putting words in your own mouth <laughs> <laughs> You, you bring up a point, though, and I love the way you're defining your adventures, like the 50 adventures 
in the year of 50, but adventure is quite a hard word to really insert into modern society. Like everywhere is becoming more populated, more accessible. Um, airline travel is getting cheaper than ever. So your your definition of, of adventure seems a lot looser. Is that correct, yeah. Karen? Yeah. 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 Um, I think, I, like I said to you, I started in the gym like that so so adventure was always a physical thing to me so mm-hmm. so once I'd pretty much gone through every aerobic class and taught every different style of fitness class that it was like then I got outdoors so that's when the running so you know I had a did like half marathons and marathons and things like that like I'm saying six foot track those sort of things but that's where the adventure the adventurous come from that that fitness but now it's like okay I've done those things and I'm not really the person to want to continue to do the same things all the time so my spirit wants to experience so that's again what the word adventure means to me so all these things that I haven't experienced that's an adventure so So, experiential yeah yeah Yeah, okay and that's what like isn't I don't know what other people's definition of adventure is but that's what it is for me and I think everybody I think that's what's really important and what we try to get across in everything that we do is that everybody's definition of adventure is going to be slightly different but it doesn't make it any less valid. And But it it, it has an element of exploring the world around you, experiencing everything that our natural environment and our peoples have to offer. Um, but it also contains an element of stepping outside of your expected do you mean and I think so for some people going for a walk on their own on a local bush track might be Mm. a massive adventure for them because it is stepping right outside of their expected experience for themselves Mm. so um, and for others it will be doing things like kayaking down the Nile River and I don't know exploring the jungles of Borneo Mm. um no less important or valid. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of writing recently, more more writing than normal, and I stumbled across in my own brain uh, an awareness that it's almost like I, and I'm sure this is true for other people, have a muscle of adventure, and if you don't exercise that muscle of adventure, it can get weak. And my example of that was when I got into the sport of marathon running and then I moved to Melbourne and Auckland and then Canberra and I wasn't able to access my original environment in Tasmania. I felt like my ability to adventure dropped. It didn't mean that I wasn't then being adventurous because then when I did go and do a trail run, it felt like an adventure. But that that level of adventure that you can perform at will change over your lifetime and depending on circumstance. Would you agree with that statement? Mm. Yeah, definitely. And that's what I was saying about these days. Like racing was important to me once, but once I've ticked the box and done as well as I thought I wanted to, like I was never going to be, you know, one of the front runners, but but I enjoyed what I did, but that was enough. I, I needed the next the next thing to satisfy my soul. And it wasn't about satisfying an ego or anything it's a feeling I need to satisfy and that mm-hmm. that is experiencing the world yep. and what's around me and connecting to it on a different level that you don't normally do in everyday life mm-hmm. yeah I think I'm going to quote Steve Jobs here I think so correct me if I'm wrong <laughs> but <laughs> don't it, uh, it's stay curious stay foolish mm. and you know it's that sense of wonder and curiosity about the world around us and mm. everything that the world has to offer us 
I think when you lose that sense of curiosity about what's possible out there, uh, you'll end up in a box a lot quicker (laughs) than if you don't. And being outdoors and exploring the world in an adventurous way, it, it it's it's fulfilling not just in a physical sense, but as a creative person, you know, my creative juices come alive when I'm outside. And Me too. And that's really important. Yeah. And I think that that's just human nature to engage with nature is the adventure. And the other thing I just thought when Amy was saying that then, it's it's like you were when you were a kid, you know, that, that, that curiosity, that... Ex- yeah. that you know, all those things were fascinating and you tend to lose that. And if you, yep. if, oh, yeah. you get, if you get the ability to get it back again, which is what I feel yeah. that I have yep. now, and yeah. that's, I feel like a kid again. Yep. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't matter if I'm 15 Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Hence the play part of yeah, your yeah. 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 yeah, It's important. Can I then ask a question about uh, competition and where, where you feel this sits because um, as someone who has been in competition for most of her life until more recently, um, I, yeah, I feel like this is also a tightrope, this one, for finding yourself but also potentially losing that sense of adventure. I'm wondering what you think about this. Um, again, I think everyone's different. Mm. I, I do think... Um, like I said, I, I, like I, I was never at a, an elite level by any means. Like, but you know, we podiumed a few times mm. and things like that. But um, it's there was still a change, and I don't know if that change comes with age, where it didn't matter anymore to compare. It wasn't I realized I wasn't competing against anybody else. I didn't have to prove anything to anybody else. I just had to be me, and that was that's the difference I found with mm. with the word competing. However. I do notice that women, as women, we do compete with each other and that's probably another message that we, we, we really try to convey through Travel Play Live. We're not, we, we, we want to learn to collaborate. We work better when we mm-hmm. collaborate, when we compete. Not mm-hmm. in, in any competition we do do, yes, it's great to achieve what, you, what, you, what your dreams are, but it's a pretty shallow sometimes um, environment just to be competing for competing for yeah I, I don't, pretty I mean, much yeah I, I, not, it's, it's shallow may not be the right word but yeah. do you know what I mean it's a, and maybe an empty, empty thing sometimes yeah, yeah. I think I, I've always struggled I competition in of in and of itself I don't really have a problem with but I did always struggle with the idea of competition usually because I was always the like the last person across the finish line when I was forced to compete in sport at school and so I always rebelled against that idea that I should compete to find myself worth so I always really struggled with competition um, although I've discovered I'm a highly competitive person if you put me in a (laughs) trivia team Um, but I think if you're competing because you want to better yourself, not beat someone else, that's okay. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that. I, I love competition, like, you know, and I'm incredibly competitive and a lot of people, but I think where I see competition gets a bit dangerous is when it becomes the pathway itself, mm. as in I see people that almost cope when they have that competitive goal to look forward to and that sense of belonging in that comp- competition world so in the community doing x race or that challenge but 
if an injury happens or they suddenly yeah. can't do yeah. it, it becomes like this huge loss of self-identity. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that to me, like I, I wrote quite a long article about this recently and put it up on my blog and I had a number of quite polarised comments around what I'd written because I think pe- it's easy for people to read black and white where I'm saying competition is bad. I'm not saying personally that, but I am saying that I think the approach to a competition is really really important to know Mm. why you're doing it and who you are when you take it away (laughs) yeah and again just coming back to what i was saying it can be very hollow victory Mm. um and there is a point and this is again coming from a mature woman (laughs) (laughs) not that i'm that mature but um i think there is a point where it's not as important as it was um so yeah that that's probably it's like like you said once it's gone like do you lose your identity that's that's a good question to ask are you only do you only see yourself as that you know as important or as 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 an identity if you're competing and like I said if you have an injury what does that mean then and if if it means that you're going to feel terrible about yourself then there's you've got to realize there is more to it than that Mm. yeah Yeah. Mm. so who or what has been the greatest influence on you both? I'm just, you know, in, I know that's, a, again, a big, big question, but has there been a moment, a person, a time where you have found yourself greatly influenced? I, I could say that I know now that my grandparents greatly influenced mm. me. So my um, grandfather used to take me up bushwalking my, my brother and I are bushwalking we'd go discovering things and my grandmother on the other side had one of the most valuable shell collections in the world at that point in time oh and we would do we'd go to the beach so I had the bush and the beach and all the all those sort of fascinating things as a child um and my grandmother also had the collections of everything so it was just an amazing environment for a kid to grow up in. But at, I did leave home when I was 16 and really haven't had much of a stable family life, I don't suppose. But I did have girls that I met later on in life who I still class as big sisters. And the way they were um, across the board was something I aspired to be. So that they had work in balance. They had families. They did their community work. They had fun. And I really looked up to them, and I still do. So um, I'd I'd say there was big sisters in my life that really made a difference. And I've also had people who have supported me, um, uh, men in my life as well, who have supported my dreams as well. But um, the the big sisters were probably the thing that I could still go back to them now and go, I really need your help with this, and they'd be there. Um, Mm. So those, It's invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Amy? Uh. Yeah, I, there are definitely men and women who've come beside me throughout my life who have marched the beat of their own drum. You know, and I grew up in a very kind of eclectic, creative background, and, and I got to meet really interesting people from the music industry and, the, and artists and racing car drivers and, and all sorts of really interesting people and lots of them walked beside me through the different seasons in my life and and nurtured me and my decision making and I'm forever grateful to those people that took time out to walk beside a rebellious crazy you know young woman um 
and I think it's funny, I didn't grow up and spend a lot of time with my dad, but my dad, we joke, is the long-lost Leyland brother, you know, in that he will jump in his car and drive three days out into the middle of God knows where just because there's something cool out there to look at. And, you know, nurture versus nature, I'm not sure, but I definitely have that wanderlust sense of adventure within me. And I think it's interesting that my sister also has that and she's currently wandering the globe, um, doing all sorts of interesting and crazy things with her partner. So, and then my mum is a very fiercely independent, strong woman who has, you know, pursued her goals and her passions and and I love that there are women in my life who have really hit their stride in their 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and that's really encouraging to me I think a lot of the women that I look up to at the moment are in their 50s and 60s and as a woman in her 40s with teenage kids and we're coming into this season in our life where we go okay our kids are going to leave home soon that's not the end of my life that's the beginning of a whole new season and I and I'm looking at women doing amazing things that have hit their stride after they turn 40 and that's really encouraging to me so who would be a couple of women that you really admire whether that's in business or um in I guess their I'm going to bring it back in again but their authenticity oh Well, I mean, I would actually have to say the network of women that we're involved with um, at the moment um, through we've met through through Travel Play Live. We um, got together with the Hollywood Girls and created the Australian Women's Adventure Alliance. And I would actually say every single one of those girls, I'm really inspired by Mm. for their passion and their their work, um, grit, and and their fun. You know what I mean? And their spirit. So. and they would probably all say they're just like us normal girls. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But, um, but um, it's just I think there's been many, and I, I don't sort of put anybody on a pedestal, but I I do admire um, it, lots of I, I find always look when I look at somebody, I always tend to find the beautiful things about them and and the things that that in, are inspiring. I'm not sort of one of those people to sit back and and not 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 look at a person deeply you know mm-hmm. what I mean so yeah I find always tend to find you know nice things about most people really so mm, lovely. yeah yeah I don't think there's any one person in particular for me like I'm not going to throw out some name because it, it fluctuates depending on what season you're in you know mm. different different people speak to you in different seasons but there's a, a lady from our local community who serves in our local church and she is one of those faithful women who turn up and make people you know tea and bring them meals and just look after them and she's in her 80s now and I remember years ago flippantly saying to her what do you want to be when you grow up (laughs) and when you grew up and she said I wanted to fly tiger moths and so I did (laughs) and I was like I beg your pardon? (laughs) And she started to tell me her story about how, as a young woman, she had wanted to fly planes. And so she got her pilot's licence and she used to borrow Nancy Bird Walton's flight gear and she was too short to see over the cockpit window so she'd sit on a cushion and when she went upside down she'd lose it and how the boys used to have to go into the field and beat down the thistles so they could land. And I just... 
I was absolutely speechless because there was this sort of very efficient, unassuming woman in her 80s who kind of ran the local post office and you just, I don't know, that it was just Mrs T and that's what she did. And then to uncover this young woman who had a passion and was vibrant for life and then to to hear more about how her life unwound around that experience and and the choices that she made and and um that she went on an adventure through post-war Europe with a girlfriend in a in a (laughs) mini um but she met her husband on the ship going over and they got married when they got back and she never flew again um but she is a woman who is a rock in my life and I thank God every day for someone like that who just loves on me and speaks into my life and walks beside me and those kind of people are gold. Actually, I just thought of a couple of people because, like Amy said, it depends on the moment. So last week, um, I don't know if you read um, Jade Hamster, um, Hamster um, no. went, did the, the polar trek. No, she, I didn't. Yeah, so she's done the two poles and, um, and the first young girl to do that. But she got a lot of flack on um, social media from um, men, a couple of men, and trolls. The, yeah, <laughs> trolls basically, and that said, "Go and make me a sandwich." So she actually made a sandwich in in the, <laughs> at, at, the, the, at the part of the North Pole, I think it was, and um, yeah, the North Pole, and um, made the sandwich and actually said, "Here you go, here's your ham sandwich, here's your ham sandwich, <laughs> and come ski to get it." And I just thought, like, that is like a young girl who's just just turned it all around and made made herself just. Just you know, it's just a really genuine, funny thing, and I was like inspired by how strong she was at a young age. So that inspired me. And the other, the other person at the moment, um, when we the most recent magazine had a story on her, Eloise Welling, the Olympic athlete, and her reasons to run and I uh, to run do as well as she can, and that story really got me. So yeah. that you mean that's what I mean by yeah. it can be anybody and anything, but that story really got. That's me. interesting because in my recent podcast with Tra- um with the Butterfly Foundation, her name came up as well yeah. as someone yeah. I actually used to run with Eloise oh, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So brilliant. Um, yeah. Okay, so I was going to finish with a few short answer questions. The first one is, what would you like to be able to tell yourself? I think the fact that we can't answer this question quickly says a lot. <laughs> um, just the first thing that comes to mind, I'll say, is keep going. That's that's the first thing that just popped up. So don't take it quite so seriously. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I feel like you're talking to me, girls. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, excellent. What? Uh, I'll go with Amy on this one. What does optimal health mean to you? next question <laughs> you know and it, this is not a short answer because this is actually something I'm really struggling with at the moment is looking after myself and looking after my health and so for me it's be kind to yourself mm. and take it one step at a time because there are no quick fixes and there's no easy solution so it's about listening to my body and being kind mm. I um I've talked about this a bit on the podcast. Hopefully people aren't getting sick of the story, but when I first started working with my mentor slash psychologist, if you wanna um call him that, he um he asked me on the very first day I went in, he said, What do you do for self compassion, honey? 
and I was completely stumped. And then I was, I just remembered that I'd booked a massage the next day. And I was like, yeah, yeah. But like, I get massages and I have baths. And he said to me, is that for performance recovery or self-compassion? And I just looked at him and I was like, I did not even contemplate there was a difference in yeah. the way you approached that. Yeah. Yeah. My coach actually recently, just at the beginning of the year, she asked me, you know, what does self-care look like to you? And I actually couldn't answer that question. And I realised that for 40 years I've lived on a bit of a wing and a prayer and never (laughs) really looked after myself. And so I really had to be kind to myself and I'm trying to shift a massive, you know, cargo ship heading in a direction that's been going in that direction for 40 years. And it's going to take time for me to actually instigate things to look after myself. And I think the fact that we're, we come both from very, very different backgrounds, but the fact that we're both sitting here saying exactly the same things mean that I'm sure we are not alone. <laughs> yeah. That this yep. is quite a complex conversation for women particularly, mm. but also for men, I think, to have. Yep. So then that leads me to my next question, Kerry, and you can have this one. Um, what does vitality mean to you? Uh, the energy to live every day at the fullest, being happy physically and mentally and spiritually. Mm. Brilliant. Uh, Amy, exploration. Uh, Exploration. Well, I said it before, it's about being curious about everything that's around you and never taking anything for face value or assuming that what you see is what you get. Mm. I think exploration is that continuously asking questions and never settling for anything less than the magic that Mm. it can bring. And I, I shouldn't be answering my own questions, but Go on, then. I would, I would just love to add that I feel like exploration is not just a physical process, no. but it's an internal process Absolutely. as well. Yeah. All right, adventure. Uh, well, like I think we've said that before today, during today as well, and that's whatever it is to you, um, and what um, new experiences where you're stepping out of your comfort zone, but whatever that is for you is okay. So. That's probably my definition of adventure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about fear? False evidence appearing real. Ah. I think if you give fear too much attention, it will rip you off from what life has got for you. And too often we buy into that false evidence because it feels real, but it's not. (laughs) And then either of you can answer this one, success. Again, I don't know about Amy, but it's whatever it is to you. Everyone's different. Like my definition of success is probably a lot different to anybody else's. So for me, it's um, I'd like to get to the end of my life and not have regrets. Mm -hmm. Um, That that would be success to me. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. Can I flip it around and then go failure? I've got a good one, failure. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, so I've always, this is my thought about failure. There is no such thing as failure. Failure is the last time you try. And <laughs> if you are if you don't want to try anymore and you and you totally give up, that, like that's that's failure. But there is no such thing in my vocabulary as the word failure. It doesn't serve any purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's refreshing because my, my definition personally is not being willing to walk to the edge and walk on that edge 
you know, as in not being, yeah, yeah, not wanting to go to those places where you might fail. Yeah, yeah. I think failure only exists if you allow it to overwhelm you to the point where you can't move anymore. And so uh, I totally agree with what Carrie ann just said about that. It's, it, failure only exists if you stop trying. Brilliant. Girls, I can't thank you enough. Um, I'm going to put the in our show notes the links to the grant, the links to the Travel Play Live magazine and all the incredible things that you do. Um, so I'm really looking forward to following where this journey takes you both and the outputs and creativity that it creates. So thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having us. <laughs>